So, welcome back to That Is Effin' Weird. Uh, we will be doing a fishbowl today. I'm not alone. We have a special guest on. But before we introduce the guest, let's uh, introduce ourselves. I am Alex. I am Clark. I'm Seth. And we have Grindhouse back on. You have probably heard his voice before. This is not the first episode that he has been on. But you know what? He wanted to be a part of this fishbowl. So we asked him to be a part of it. Thank you for joining us, Grindhouse. Oh, absolutely, dudes. And I'll just apologize in advance for my opinions. They are not those of that's effing weird. <laughs> well, we, we, you know, we tell our audience, you know, like, don't take anything that we say uh, seriously. And we, you probably shouldn't listen to us anyways. Um, but Fishbowl, how it works, if this is your first time listening to it, we have a spinning wheel usually, but I actually have a more of a fishbowl-esque type thing in front of me where I'm going to be picking subjects. I'll, I'll talk about them until we're pretty much done talking about it, and then we'll move on to the next one. Uh, none, of the, uh, none of the guys here know what I've put in this fishbowl. Uh, however, they do have their, uh, their Googles pulled up just to uh, look at some information. So are you guys ready for the first topic? Absolutely, Alex. Let's do it. <laughs> Why'd you like, say it like that, Seth? <laughs> I'm ready to go. This is a game show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I got it. Okay. Grindhouse, all of your answers must start with what is. <laughs> uh, well, but, all right. But what if I'm closest without going over? Does that count too? Yeah. Similar. Okay. No whammies and no whammies. If you get a whammy, God damn it, I will come hunt you down. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I thought you were younger than I am, Clark. But how the fuck do you know what a whammy is? Did you not have cable? You didn't have cable growing up, did you? I, I, I had sorry. a lot of cable. So, yeah, oh, shit. I didn't have any cable. Okay. Well, this is just. <laughs> I'm all, all over right. the place. All right, let's go. All right. First subject that we have or topic is the cloaked UAP during 9-11. Have you guys heard about this? I have not. No, I don't think I have, actually. I... All right. Well, supposedly there is a picture of a UFO flying by one of the towers as it's burning. I can't remember if it's both or one. Um, I'm sure Google has a picture of it. I'm sure it's, this is nothing new, uh, but I stumbled upon, upon it. And I just wanted you guys' opinions on it. So what do you guys think? I'm trying to look up a photo. Uh, I actually want to propose the whole, like people want to see UFOs in, um, or UAPs, I guess we should say, um, in a lot of important uh, historical events. So, like, I feel like maybe people are just saying that it's like, oh, this is spotted here. Now, if there's actually a some kind of photographic evidence, I would like to see it. But um, I feel like every in any important event, like, it's a thing where people are like, oh, Aliens were watching. So, 
So there is a book that you're 100 percent correct, Clark. There is a there's a book that I read. Um, the title of it is UFOs During Wartime. I cannot remember the author. Um, if I do remember it, I can I can post a link or you know a picture of it in the the photos podcast photos. Um, but nevertheless, you're you're correct. There's been plenty of incidences where soldiers have reported seeing lights over like missile silos bases things like that where you know important things are going on and ufos you know maybe intelligent life wants to see what we're doing i would you know i would say that if there's something going on you know destruction wise if intelligent life is going to want to you know find out why or like what's going on so the the picture itself the one I, Seth did you find one or no I found a couple the problem is all the nine eleven footage is like VHS tape um so I found a few let me see if I can down hold on uh they're basically they're zooming in on these little blips uh right beside the planes as they go into the tower um but your whole thing about the historical thing I've seen I forget what documentary it was it was basically a missile silo not in the United States, I forget where it was, that um, there were uh, a few UAPs that came in, stayed there for a while, and then the entire missile silo malfunctioned and they couldn't do launch or any testing on it. And they had to like fit, do a whole bunch of repairs. And I believe that's well documented, that particular case. I don't remember wh which country it happened to, though. Um, ah, here's here's... Here's one where people are like circling stuff. I'm going to download that and put it in. Uh, I'll put it in podcast, podcast photos chat, or photos. Podcast. Yeah. Okay. Grindhouse. What do you think? Well, when it comes to UFOs. Um, so through the nightclub, we are ambassadors to a film festival called cabin in the woods is happening in the Pacific Northwest. And we interviewed the, the hosts of that, um, Crystal and Lady Sasha. And Crystal had the absolute best line I've ever heard for any alien life, any UFOs, things like that. The things that would come by this planet and look at what we're doing, and they would lock their fucking doors and keep on going. Because I don't think that... I think we're at a point in our civilization where we don't have a lot to offer anything that would be out there and they would just go by and just go nope um so do i think that the various ufos the usps the flying saucers the whatever the hell are probably out there yeah i do i do um and i think you know in the last few weeks i think our our government has finally sort of fessed up to the fact that they know more than we think they do at the same time with the 9-11 stuff i think that it is such a profound uh, moment in our history that I think it is just absolutely rife for conspiracy. Um, and it, there gets to be a point where I have to balance what I know about the United States government against their ability to do things. So it, it, as much as I want to think that maybe there was something more going on, I also think that our government is so fucking inept that they probably couldn't pull off something of this scale, like as a, 
as a conspiracy, as a reason to attack another country, as a reason to rile up Americans. I just don't think that we have the the the, uh, the intestinal fortitude to even carry forth with something like that. So could there be an alien watching? Sure, there could have been. Um, do I think there was? Probably not. Yeah, some of the some of the photos, like Seth was saying, like it's it's VHS. It's very grainy. Um, it's just it's hard to tell. And especially since like AI has come out, how easy it is to just create anything. Shit, we've like some of the stuff that we've made here, Seth, some of the amazing stuff that you've done with just the voice stuff with uh, Ronald Reagan and <laughs> Jack Black with our <laughs> stuff it is hilarious. But it just kind of drives a point too, where we live in a time where it's very easy to fake something like that. And it's, it's easy to, you know, find a VHS tape, make something grainy kind of going by the tower and then saying it is a UFO. But then also in the same token, you look at us as how we are as humans and, you know, we study animals and to, if, you know, if there's intelligence, intelligent life out there, we are those animals and they would want to study us. I mean, it's the same thing, I, I, I feel like. But as far as the whole 9-11 UA, UAP thing, probably not. I, I wish I could find the photo. I wish I could post it in there. Maybe after this conversation, I'll show you guys um, when I get more more internet, not taking up the uh, the chat or whatever. I can show you guys what I'm talking about. But yeah, I don't know. I, well, uh, all the All the years that have gone by, like, you know, like... I'm I'm in my room like scanning 4chan and and like watching loose change documentaries like uh, of all the time that's a spanned now they're talking about like they finally found like a, a UFO during in one of those tapes I would have I would have felt like it I would have at least heard about it but at this point well I'd oh I'm sorry I'm just gonna say overall skepticism I think is healthy I think you should approach everything with skepticism there, there is a point where when you have 97 different angles of an airplane hitting a tower where you just have to go, yeah, that's what happened. Um, do you want to break down the whys and, the, and, and who did what for what reason? Yeah, you can do that all day long. But there are some basic facts. And a lot of this stuff, especially surrounding 9-11, it's like there's some basic facts, I think, now that are, I think, mostly indisputable. If you want to go into the who did what for what reason, I mean, I think you could talk that all day, but the basics of what happened. And again, I'm going to say, were there aliens watching? Maybe. Do I doubt it? Yeah. Can I say that it didn't happen? Nope. I can't. I wasn't there. Mm, true. True. Well, I mean that one. Uh, that that one topic. Does anyone have anything else that they want to add to that, or is yeah, that is that it. both kind of it? Yeah, bury it. Done. I'm done yeah, with it. All right. That's pretty definitive. If they were watching, then they had they had previous knowledge. If they were watching, so therefore they're culpable. Mm. And they're technically criminal. <laughs> well, I'll just say if if I'm ever gonna get probed. Please use lube and go slow. I'm an amateur. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The, uh, the next topic that we have is the 500 BC judge. Now, going off the top of my head, I, 
I, I'm probably going to butcher the story, but what happened was that in the year 500 BC, there was a king who uh, had a judge, and I believe what happened was that the judge made an unfair ruling, or he was corrupt in some sort of way. So the king uh, ordered him that he be he be executed, and that uh, he was Sister. able to. Uh, Clark, you're you're nodding your head up and down. I think you know this, right? <laughs> well, no, I was just thinking. I was wondering if it was the brazen bull story, but the which story? The brazen bull story. But keep going. <laughs> oh, it's it's not the it, no, it's not the bull one. Okay. Um, the king said that, hey, um, we're going to execute you because of what you did, but we are going to let you pick whoever you want to be the judge in your place. So the judge was like, okay, I want my son to be my replacement. And um, the king was like, okay, that's fine. You're going to be executed, and how you're going to be killed is by skinning. So what happened was, is that the judge was skinned alive and then his skin was made into the chair that the new judge would have to sit on. So the son, so like as a reminder, the son had to sit in a chair of what his dad did. And that's how the king made a point for like, I always have fair cases. I cannot remember the king's name or who it was. Um, but yeah. What do you guys think about what do you guys think I, I about? I bet that? that country had a very low crime rate. That's what I think. <laughs> I think now and Grindhouse might debate me on this. I don't know if you probably if anyone could probably contest me on this, but I think this is actually more of a sort of Damocles kind of story. So, like, it's the same thing of, like, the next person who takes the throne. Uh, so, if you guys don't know what the Sword of Damocles is, it's basically um, a sword that dangles above the throne. And uh, basically, a king should always be afraid. Because you never know who is going to try to take your throne from you. So it's it's a sword that dangles above the throne. So I think that's a, a similar story where if you're sitting on the throne of like the skin of your predecessor, you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe this is a true story. I, I don't know any historical. Uh, I've never heard this story like being like 100% fact historically, but it seems like a sort of Damocles kind of thing where it's just like, you know, Always be afraid when you sit upon the throne, the sword is dangling above you and it's ready to kill you, basically. Oh, yeah, I've never I heard that. I think you're right. I think it, it to me, the story says, uh, learn from the actions of the person before you and don't repeat those actions. I mean, it, it's that, especially with the chair and the, the, the sun being the adjudicator of his father um and i i've heard this story before so i did google it quick but i do know who we are talking about um and 
first of all, I think the story is absolutely awesome. But I think that the after after um, is it Sisamenes is fl- Sisamenes is flayed, and then his skin is made to into the chair of the next ruler. I think that is definitely one of those things where learn from the people before you and don't repeat their mistakes. You know, because the whole point was like he took a bribe, you know, to influence a verdict on something. And it was like, so if you do that, guess what? There might be some punishment coming. So they trying to keep the judiciary uh, pure and, and try to just have it. Have it be the deciding factor, but have it be. Have it be pure enough of heart where it judges things on the facts of what is presented versus, uh, you know, a, a preconceived outcome. I think it's what the whole point of the story is. And if you read through it and you read about the son Otain's and, you know, how he becomes his dad's successor. And then basically, it, it, and they talk about the chair. I mean, and to be perfectly honest, I want this chair. I want this chair in my house and I want it in a corner. And I want anyone who is going to come into my house, my house, and tell me anything resembling a lie to sit in this chair, and then rethink their position. Because I think <laughs> I I love the overall story. Um, and uh, to Seth's point about going into this country, they probably did have a pretty low crime rate because it, taking a bribe results in you being turned into a chair made of human skin that is there to remind people to don't fuck around and find out. That's awesome. Now, as the, uh, as the son, do you think you would, do you think you would, you know, say like, all right, yeah, thanks uh, for picking me to be the judge, but you know, I don't, I don't want to do this job. Would you, would you still take it? As a as a member of this society, yes, absolutely. Because of the, it's, of, the, of this story society, yes, because it's your expectation. You're supposed to be if if a duty is handed down to you, your duty is to take that duty, and to execute it, you know, as fair and as succinctly as you can. So yeah, I would do it. I mean, you're basically asking me if I would flay my father if he was a liar, and the answer is yes. All right. Well, that's uh, sorry. That's a pretty strong statement. Yeah. No. That I mean yeah. that that's a nice divider between topics. I like it. It's to the point. Watch out, Dad. Uh, <laughs> Watch out, well, man. Also, mine is, I also like mine is... this. In, um, I also like this in uh, the context of like uh, you know literature and you know fiction and pop culture uh, like Game of Thrones, like the Iron Throne. Iron Throne is kind of a similar, you know, kind of symbol where it's like, you know, it's made out of a thousand melted swords, basically, from dragon fire. But, you know, it's still sharp, so it cuts those that are unworthy. That's that's like a rumor they have in that that world. Like, oh, those that get cut by it are unworthy. And then, uh, you know, so I, I don't know. I find that fascinating to think about, like, you would have yeah. a chair that you have to sit upon and you have a duty to do, but at the same time, your your duty is actually 
represented by those who've lived before you. So. Well, definitely that, but also, also he, he who shall lead shall bleed because there is always sacrifice that comes with that. You don't get to sit upon a pillar and just be a god and have sunshine rained upon you. To actually lead requires you to get down into the mud and into the sticks and sometimes, if the situation calls for it, bleed. You know, for the people that you rule because you are a leader. And if you're not willing to do that, you're probably not worthy of being a leader. Mm, good point. Good point. Well, our next topic actually bleeds perfectly into what we were just talking about. Um, Blood Boy. Now, what this is, is a man spends $2 million a year to reduce biological age by using his 17-year-old son's blood. Brian Johnson, man. Oh, yeah. All day, every day. You know of this, Seth. Please en- yeah. enlighten us. I'm on his. I'm on Brian Johnson's protocol, man. I'm on rapamycin, seven milligrams a week, once a week. I'm on uh, a carbos. I'm on uh, low dose naltrexone. Like, come on, come on. I'm I'm on calorie restriction. I'm eating once every forty eight hours. Like, that's how serious I am about this. You see this oh, neckline? This neckline <laughs> wasn't here the last time you were on. Anyway. <laughs> Brian Johnson, <laughs> right now, the whole blood thing, there's there's not a lot of measurement for it to be conclusive enough for him to continue. He was the first uh, transgenerational uh, uh, blood, like, uh, what do you call it? Like, basically donation. So it was him, his 17-year-old son, and his dad. So Brian Johnson donated his blood to his dad. And his 17-year-old son donated his blood to Brian Johnson. So it was the first multi-generational, like, blood exchange. But, um, and, and there's, there's proof that, I mean, it's, it goes back to the old study where they sewed the two mice together. There was an old elderly mouse and there was a younger mouse. They sewed uh, their skin together, basically making them effectively Siamese twins. And then uh, the older mouse started to become younger. It would display more youthful. The cells would be uh, rejuvenated, uh, less matty. Just basically became younger-ish, acted younger. Uh, then, uh, so anyway, there's people doing that now. In Silicon Valley, like Peter Thiel and all those guys, uh, there, there's like this running joke, but it's all from like a thing. There's a thing called Blood Boys which you just mentioned where they get like a extremely young dude, same blood type, all that kind of stuff. And then basically they pay them an unreal amount of money to donate like uh, several pints of blood a week or whatever. And then the old, you know, rich guys will get blood infusions. And so they're getting this cocktail of young hormones, uh, those cells and all of their, um, uh, the way that those cells signal aren't, aren't, you know, conducive to having a whole bunch of senescent cells. You're not getting uh, inflammatory marker signals everywhere and increasing gray hair. It's actually the opposite. So you get, uh, you know, your skin becomes tighter. Uh, you have more energy, um, hormonal functions better. A whole bunch of stuff starts happening. Um, Brian Johnson put a pause on it because this, the blood results and data from him it wasn't worth the 
investment to do it for him like getting everyone together doing all the blood draws and then doing it consistently just wasn't it wasn't effect it, the, it wasn't cost effective for his protocol so he's not he's not going to continue i hear that he may do a little bit more research on it but right now it's not part of the current protocol now i might sound like an idiot right but how is how is it that your body's blood is somehow not like if you're an older person, whatever, man, woman, doesn't matter. How is it that your blood that you're producing is not as effective as a young person's? What is it? What is in that blood that makes it, I guess, more youthful? Uh, a bunch of things. Uh, as you get older, the uh, hydrochloric acid in your stomach starts reducing. Uh, there, there a whole uh, when your cells split, the telomeres shorten. There's less information being transferred to the new cell during that divide. So all the all the genetic information in your chromosomes, it's like ma making a copy of a copy of a copy. So the instructions that those uh that DNA within the cell is giving the rest of the body or instructions for hormone production, the instruction, all that data is being lost each time a cell divides. The telomeres lengthen, then those chromosomes start breaking apart, and then there's even more data degradation. Uh, the epigenetic, uh, the readout, the way that, that when that cell transfers its information during the divide, the reading becomes messed up. So there's a whole bunch of things that you can do to mitigate that. One of them is just have younger blood because there's all of that breakdown in information is not occurring in a young body and they're still producing hormones. Um, the mitochondrial function is tip top. There's not, since there's not as much damage, there's not as much senescent cells like zombie cells, cells that are neither alive nor dead. So they just kind of stay in this state and then they secrete chemicals that cause further inflammation and in other cells to spread senescence. So when you stop eating, for instance, it's long been understood about 72-hour fast, you'll start clearing senescent cells out because the body goes through autophagy, self-eating. The real marker is probably between four and five days of a real fast, like zero calories. Um, your body will prioritize damaged and dying cells to be cleared out and, and basically recycled and, and torn apart into new tissue. But uh, yeah, that's all that's occurring is that your that loss of information and instruction is way less prevalent in a young body. You take that blood, all of those biomarkers, signals, hormones, everything is functioning at peak levels. And then uh, it, it just is is doing that job in the old body <clears throat> could you not so from my understanding the guy is just trying to maintain youthfulness correct is that like the objective or that that's what the goal was yeah the so there's the um there's basically the biological age you can get on a roster uh, you can get your uh, the you basically get a blood panel that you go fill at your local lab corp or whatever um pre-baseline i'm biologically 22 my my cellular function as a, that of a 22 year old i'm 34 and so that was pr that was my benchmark pre-longevity drugs because rapamycin the rapanui thing that we talked about four out of five 
uh, Rapa Nui agree or whatever those mm -hmm. Easter mm -hmm. Easter Island heads are. The, uh, that is just a bacteria that they found in Easter Island that knocks out mTOR. So if you were to take it every single day, it, 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 its original purpose was an anti-organ rejection drug. But if you take it in, in moderate amounts once a week, it, it inhibits mTOR. And mTOR is your signaling gene for cell growth. So if you want to live longer, you want to slow down your, uh, the rate in which your cells divide. And so uh, stop like re reduction of food, basic calorie restriction uh, is, is one way of knocking out mTOR. You don't want to knock it out completely. Like the, 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 they're taking so much rapamycin, like organ transfer people that their, uh, their lymphocytes are just so deranged that they can't, they don't understand that that organ is a foreign body. And so they won't send like immune cells to kill it or stop it or whatever. So it, it works out for them, but they got to stay on that the rest of their life. If you're just taking it once a week, you're knocking out mTOR. What else does the, what else does mTOR listen for? Uh, insulin. So sugar, if you eat sugar, insulin surges and then mTOR is activated and further cell division, uh, calories, wounds. Like if you get cell damage, uh, mTOR activates a whole bunch of stuff. But uh, he's his main goal is to just just slow down the biological clock, and he's actually proven that it can be reversed to a degree. Um, his his aim goal, like all the media does, these headlines like he's trying to live. He's not. Uh, it, it, like there's an expiration date on the vessel, but uh, his goal is is to basically uh, completely rewrite the definition of human lifespan. And just push it as far as possible. That's all. Sorry, I'm really passionate about that. You couldn't have picked a better topic for me, Alex. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, with all of that being said, Grindhouse Clark, there's a lot to unwrap there. I want to hear what your guys' thoughts are. Uh, uh, uh. Okay, <laughs> well, two things for sure. First thing is, Seth, I, I want to have breakfast at your table just to see what you all talk about because i bet it's fucking interesting in hell second thing is if i gave you a plane ticket would you come over and rub your balls on my achilles and see if we can get it healed faster because i want to start walking normal because this is just this boot thing is bullshit um this is all this is all very new stuff to me um it, it sounds like seth really knows what he's talking about and he's definitely deep build this shit um i i i I'm not going to say I have an opinion one way or the other because I think we I think we find out new things every day and sometimes it takes some people that are out there to find some new things and from everything that I've just googled these people are, are what I would define as out there but I'm not going to say that they're wrong because it might be one year or two years from now that they're like hey by the way felt the youth in a bottle you want to buy it and okay. I I probably would. So, yeah. And my entire thing is I can't say too much on it because telomeres and shortening of telomeres is kind of the crux of um, uh, the screenplay I'm writing right now. So I can't really, uh, can't really say too much on it because I don't want to give away a lot about how that actually affects uh, our 
our actual chromosomes and what actually humans might look like in the next uh yeah next few generations. Can I have a star can I can I have a star and roll as the old guy? Just just asking. Just put in no. a good word now. So okay. I'll Round be the old four. I'll be I'll, I'll, I'll be the I'll be the old guy and and Seth can be the younger me because we basically had the, the hair would work. <laughs> hey. I mean, yeah. yeah. So yeah, just saying. Yeah, no. okay. Everything he said there, though, I don't. I, yeah, like I said, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about a lot. So because it's kind of the crux of uh, the book I'm writing. So <laughs> there we go. So therefore, uh, everything I said is correct. <laughs> not everything, but <clears throat> nuclear chemistry. <laughs> and um is is kind of the crux of it and yes and definitely how telomeres work and um what we are going to be evolutionarily uh and what we can actually now that we've mapped the human genome um what we can actually uh tamper with and what we can affect and what we weren't able to uh you know, tinkle with, I guess, in the past. Um, it's kind Question. of what, yeah. What is the worm? What is the worm that was like the first one? They mapped the genome out and it's considered like the most simple genome and to where they can basically they have every single function you can put on a blackboard. Uh do you know what I'm talking about? It's a uh, very specific worm. No, but it's right. what they it's it's, it's pre Dolly. Um, I don't even know if uh, Grindhouse probably remembers Dolly. <laughs> I think he's a oh the sheep. Too, oh yeah. yeah, definitely. Yep, Dolly the sheep. Yeah, yeah. And they and they they cloned her and everything looked great, and then she went and fell yeah. over, and because she artificially aged. Yeah, and so. it was. Uh, but well, they basically, yeah. Go ahead. I didn't no, know that just... that was her demise. I I knew that they cloned a sheep, but I didn't know that something immediately happened later on. Yeah, no, it didn't immediately happen. She just no, I mean... it, no, it wasn't immediate. But she 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 aged faster than she should have aged. Mm -hmm. Um, she, she because she had offspring, she did all that, but she should have lived to the to the quote unquote ripe old age, and she didn't. So no. it's very I, brave. Thought... It's very brave new world. And well, somebody had to do it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but it, I just think it's hilarious that it was Brave New World before there was Brave New World. <laughs> like, well, I mean, even even now, people are talking about um, bringing back what is it called? This this thalassine. They're talking about bringing that back. And it's like, apparently they have the DNA to do it. And it's like. For, from my chair and let's be honest here, I'm a very grounded died in things like just things are what they are but there's also this big piece of me that's like you know sometimes you have to try things and i understand that it might result in less than stellar outcome but the reality of the heart transplant the kidney transplant cancer treatment sometimes there were less than stellar outcomes so you gotta try shit you know and we don't all have to be comfortable with the outcome sometimes shit happens that we all go Oh well, fuck! I wish that didn't happen, but you you can't have a good outcome until you have seventy five bad outcomes. That's just how things work. That's how evolution of treatments and evolution of just 
well, fuck evolution of everything. That's how it happens. You know, you just you go sometimes, from sometimes oh, you gotta shoot a man in space. And sometimes they don't come yeah. back. Well, exactly. Yeah, you have to have that hold my beer and watch this moment. Otherwise, you don't ever have anything good. You know, and on scientific terms, there's probably not a whole lot of hold my beer and watch this. It's probably, you know, hold my pocket pocket protector and watch this. But it, it's the same thing, though. You have to try, and I don't think failure has to be remarked on as some colossal failure. It has to be remarked upon of, well, that's one thing that didn't work. Let's try the next thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Get a lot of failures before you get a, yeah. Wow. Well, each each one of us here talking is a failure before success, just for the record. Yeah. That's, okay. that's true you know speaking of failures uh until they uh make success as uh gordon ramsay this is not a topic that's in the fishbowl by any means this is just uh, i'm remembering this but uh my wife likes to watch uh kitchen nightmares and she was telling <laughs> me that um he had a bunch of restaurants and it wasn't until like he was like in his thirties or forties that he actually became successful as a culinary chef, or I, I, mean, I don't know if he describes himself or that's what he's classified as, but as a chef. Um, so yeah, he had a lot of failures, had a lot of restaurants go down until he finally made it. So yeah, not this, not necessarily the same realm as like scientific, you know, working on people, but yeah, you see a bunch of failures and then he finally succeeded. So Oh, but I would say it's the exact same thing. It is one experiment after the next until you get it right. That's what it is. Oh, everything, true. everything. it doesn't matter if you're selling a car, selling a pair of shoes, selling a beer, whatever else. It's one set of experiments after the next until you get it right. And, and Gordon Ramsay is a giant, giant fucking prick. But he's also got a presence <laughs> that's really hard to ignore. You can't ignore his... My wife makes me watch the same shows, dude. She, I have to watch more, more Kitchen Nightmares and who's going out this time. And I, I, but I mean, at the same time, he he has a presence and he. But I think he's honed that over time, right? I don't think that he was the same bastard that he was twenty years ago, you know, or well, maybe he was, maybe twenty five years ago, he was a different bastard. But he's got a thing where he's kind of like a car crash. You really can't look away. You know, you have to slow down and take a look. And that's to get into to get into a certain people's zeitgeist and to be so prominent that you can't help but look. That's something special for him. It really I, is. I think it's actually um, similar to the fact that he has a sports background and also now he has kids. And you have to factor those two things in. Because he is very good around kids. Whenever you see him do like Junior Master she, uh, uh, Master Chef, or if you see him do uh, any kind of like YouTube stuff with his own kids, like he is a very, very fatherly figure. But he has an athletic background, and that's also into his cooking. So he's aggressive when he's like a head chef. And he's aggressive as an athlete, but at the same time, he's very gentle with kids and he's able to actually like be kind of like, you know, kind of a fatherly figure and just kind of guide and things like that. So 
Maybe, but I, I also think he is a master of disguise because you're right. Possibly. When he does the things with, well, because when he has his grown up chef show and then he has his kids come on, he's very nice to him. But there's a piece of me that is very aware that he's whoring his children for his TV show. <laughs> but then, but then, but then you see the things he does with kids and he seems to be super nice. I mean, it's like if in my house, like if we go outside and we're grilling on my deck and whatever else, it's a running joke and it's like it's time to test the temperature or something and someone goes it's fucking raw i mean so it's like everybody knows that you know so he has become part of the zeitgeist whether we want to believe it or not it, it is absolutely there and everybody knows it there's not someone who's going to go i don't know what you're talking about you know so i that's his brilliance though and it took him a lot of years to build that but he has built he has built this persona that everyone knows and everyone either loves or hates, but either way, you're going to watch. So that's fucking brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, th yeah. I think that, I think that happens with like a lot of, a lot of celebrities. They, uh, you know, have to find that, or, you know, like it's almost like the public pushes them into a persona in a sense. I think that happens to a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people. Well, I think it depends on who you're talking about because there's a lot of celebrities like let's use the Kardashians, for example. They're all dickheads. Every single one of them is a fucking dickhead. And we all know it. Um, the women think they're pretty and they're not. The, well, the one man that used to be there was kind of a sideshow character, but we all kind of understood his role. But these are not people that on a daily basis I would welcome into my home. I would fucking lock the door and go, get out of here. I have no fucking time for you. Because they're all assholes. And they're all assholes because they're affected. Now, do I think Gordon Ramsay is a little bit of an asshole and a little bit affected? I think he is. But I also think that he could stand beside me in my kitchen and go, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And I think he'd be fine with that. And there's a piece of me that would be fine with that too. So... He he has a different he has a different thing about him, where he's a dickhead, but he's personable, but he's also somebody to be feared. He has he's got a really interesting thing built up about him, uh, where I I like like if he showed up at my house, my wife would fucking cream her jeans and then she'd go to the fridge and, and then she'd put out a bunch of ingredients and go, we're gonna cook. So that's what she, that's what she would do, and it would be fantastic. So I I it's. It's a different thing. I, there's uh, love or hate Gordon Ramsay, love or hate him, you really can't hate him. Like he has that persona, but you really can't hate him. So uh, he he's done something that I think is incredible in what we call this big biosphere of the human experience, and, and moreover, this celebrity human experience, where he's definitely a celebrity, but at the same time. He also feels like a little bit like your mother would come up behind you and smack you in the back of the head and go, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and I, I, you, I can't help but love him. I still, I can't help but love him. All right. Well, I know we kind of got off a little bit of topic there with the, the, the man who, you know, uses young blood. But are there <laughs> any final thoughts <laughs> between that, Gordon Ramsay, anything before we move on to the next topic? Jeez. Should I even uh, go into Elizabeth Battery? 
about the young blood stuff, or should we save that for just a whole episode? Say oh, what you man. need to say. Now I'm curious. Yeah. Or is that battery? Yeah, she bad. Yeah, well, I, yeah, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna time time out because I have a quick comment, and then I want you to go. Though that guy has what might be the creepiest fucking Instagram ever. Don't ever go on his Instagram. I just did, <laughs> and my life is never gonna be the same. So Ew. don't, don't. Oh, oh yeah, ew. Oh yeah. It's no, 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 no. Who? Um, the the young blood guy. Their oh, Brian Johnson. It is fucking creepy as hell. It is. It. I, it, I, I think it hurts. I'm Seth's following. I, yeah, I'm like. Oh, I'm, oh, it's. <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm just. Well, I'm judging a little bit. Yeah, I am. But I I looked at his Instagram and I was just like. Uh, I, is there parental controls here? Because I'm pretty sure even I shouldn't be looking at this. So. Okay. It was right. it was weird. It was weird for me. Like that's a lot of. That's a lot of father and son touching each other weirdly <laughs> things. So, but that's just me. That's just me. No. I know what picture you're talking about. I know I know which picture you're talking about. Tell me you don't see it. Like wow. I just thought when he posted that I just I just had a chuckle. I, had, I if you watch his uh his videos, it just makes sense. It just there that whole family is uh uh hilarious. I just thought it was hilarious. Well, and there most definitely probably is a context thing to it, but when you see it just out of the blue, yeah, that I all right, fair enough, absolutely. Yes, I who's Brian Johnson? Uh, Oh, (laughs) yeah, like somebody that the one picture is like a somebody should call the cops picture, it really is. So, but again, just me, but I get it out out of context and whatever else. It's just like it was a little, no, I get it, shocking. Let's just call it. Clark? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what were you going to say? <laughs> yeah, back to the, uh, I, I mean, I was just throwing out, like, Elizabeth Battery. So uh, as far as the Blood Countess thing, that might be a future episode, I guess. We probably don't need to get too deep into it now. but But people that think that bathing in blood... Uh, Increases their youth. That's not, uh, uh, yeah, not like a new okay. concept. So, okay, all right. Well, yeah, maybe we can we can cover that more in depth in a in a different episode. We can uh, we can move on to the next topic, which is the giant penguins in 1940. Are you guys aware of this? No, I'm not. So, in the 1940s, um, there were found to be giant penguin footprints along numerous beaches. So, for a couple of years in the 1940s, uh, no one knew exactly like what was going on, um, but they knew that they were penguin footprints. So, everyone assumed that there was these giant penguins roaming around on these beaches, but they just could never find them years and years later, a guy comes out and says that, yeah, I was the one who made it. And he has these special boots that were made that have giant penguin feet on the bottom of them. 
And he would go and he said that he would go to different beaches at night and just walk along these beaches and just <laughs> fool people for years. This went on. Um, I thought that was pretty good. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, but I think it's it brings up a good point, too. And we've said it many of times. It's just. It, it, it kind of reminds me of like the crop circle thing, right? Where it's like you you want to believe you want to, you know, think that something's something spectacular that as that could be true. But then it just turns out to be just guys with boards making designs in the field. Same thing with this. People wanted to believe that there was these giant penguins. Just turns out it's just some guy. What do what you guys, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think it's, think it's funny? Do you think it's, what do you guys think? I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I, lo- I, I, I love, uh, I love uh, that level of taking your troll craft. Uh, I'm going to, how, how many years do you know, like the full span, like exactly? I want to say that it was, it wasn't till the seventies that is when he like kind of came clean with it. So it was like all like years and years that he was doing this, just trolling people. That seems like the golden age of, of like faking stuff because um, the doctor's photo from like Loch Ness that was about the same time. Wait, which photo? The the doctor's photo from Loch Ness, like the 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 most famous Loch Ness monster photo. Oh, uh, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, that, and then like, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm weird about the the Patterson Gimlin photo or video, everything like that. That's still, you know little bit up in the air but has been kind of people have come out and said that's fake but things like that it's just is like i don't know it, it seems like that's the golden era of faking uh cryptid stuff is like the 70s yeah yeah well kind of like what i had said at the beginning of the show too is that i find that it's really easy nowadays to fake a photo especially with ai and how realistic it can get um, I think it was easier, maybe in the sense to, you know, fool people, you, you know, like, I, I feel like there's so much stuff coming out and Grindhouse, you kind of said it, I think, I believe too, maybe it was before the show was just, um, like how, like Congress is talking about this and like, you know, UFOs and like, no one cares. Like it, it's, it, it's so weird to think that if this happened, 50 or 60 years ago, and you said, hey, Congress just said that aliens are real, everyone would lose their shit. But nowadays, it's just like, yep, yep, aliens are real. It's just so weird. It is. It is. Yep. Well, and that all goes to people's people's penchant and ability to accept what they see, right? And... 50 years ago, what people saw was on the four channels that they had available on their TV, you know, versus now you can be saturated with information and the saturation of information is what makes something real. It isn't whether it's actually real or whether it's even believable. You know, I could, I could put an Instagram or a 
tweet or something out about me having a 14-inch penis, and if I got enough people to follow it, within a week, I would have a 14-inch penis. Now, is it That's real? True. No, it's not. I only have a 12-inch penis. But I could, if I wanted to, extend the truth. Pun intended. Um, but, so, but that's the whole thing. It's, <clears throat> we're subjected to so many things and so much information. And I don't... It's funny. I think our ability to get information has exceeded our mind's ability to capture the information and actually make good and rational decisions about the information. Mm-hmm. So in in the absence of that, in the absence of any real ability to collect, collate, compile, and analyze data, because people are not good at that anymore. Your Your average person on any given day is a moron. And it, the reality of taking in information, it comes via Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and whatever else. And so I don't think people to be perfectly honest, even bother to assess whether what they're seeing is real or not, whether it makes any sense or not, whether it has any application to their daily life or not. They just go, well, I saw it on the internet. It must be real. So beyond that, they don't, they don't bother. And that's why I think something like all of us seen on the news and by news, I mean news websites or TikTok or whatever the hell else that, hey, the government finally admitted that they have alien life forms in a jar somewhere. We're all just like, eh, I saw that Independence Day. Sure, why not? You know, yeah. there's no, that's why there's no uproar. People are just like, hmm, sure, you know. People don't think about the implications of that, the true implications of it. Like if somebody in a warehouse somewhere has a dead alien body, the implications are fucking huge. But I don't think anybody bothers to even comprehend why it's huge. I think also, too, and we had talked about this many episodes, too, and it was Clark who had brought it up with is that we essentially have like survival on lockdown. And now it's just come down to like, you know, luxuries and everything and it's it gets to the point where it's it really is something where it's like yeah we don't think of the implications because it really doesn't concern me like i i'm worried about getting to the coffee shop you know and it's it's i think it's really tough too um with a society that we live in where it's you read one article or you know like it's there's been examples of this where it's like okay there's a picture but one news group is saying this and then the other news group is saying this. So it's like you as the person reading this, you have to like, you know, like what you were saying, Grindhouse is you have to depict what is true or what is fact. And sometimes the person writing that doesn't give that to you. And it's just, it's, it's one of these things where I think we, we live in this world where yes, TikTok, Twitter, our attention spans are so like, it's they're so quick you know they're not there it's and it's the same thing with like going try to like get even get this podcast out there how can we how can we get people's attentions well we have to have something within the first five to ten seconds to grab people's attention to the show and it's it's so hard to do that and it's it's just it's sad that it's that is what we've kind of come to as a society 
and I think we're all kind of guilty of it too. It's like, we're all, you know, we always like strolling, killing time and everything, but yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with what you're saying. Grindhouse hundred percent. Well, I don't think people are interested in thinking anymore. I think they're interested in being told. Um, yes. Like I know from my discussions, I know both Seth and Clark are interested in thinking. Now, it does not have to be thinking that goes along with everybody else's thinking, but they're interested in thinking. <clears throat> so I think, A, that's what makes your podcast, to me, interesting. I'm starting to scroll back through your stuff, and I'm like, these guys talk about some interesting things. But from the first time I chatted with you guys, and it was like, and like here's this next one, and we're going to talk about the Bronze Age. And my, my initial reaction was like, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then it's like two days beforehand, I started to do some research. I started to look at some things and I was like, this is fucking interesting. Oh, yeah. that that's why. OK, but so I'm, I, I'm as guilty as anybody else as, as being a fucking goldfish bowl sucking simpleton that is just like, I just want to absorb things and I just don't really care. Um, I, I hope that I don't do that all the time, but I'm probably as guilty as anybody else. Um but I think but I think that's really the point is like we've reduced our society to a bunch of zombies that just want to take in things like TikTok and Instagram and whatever else. And admittedly, some of it can be interesting and can kind of be fun. But it's like, what are you taking away from it? And the only thing that I can think of is that people are taking away from it is being included. And it's like, for me, being included isn't enough. Like I want to, I want to learn something. Like from from both talking with Seth and Clark, I've learned things from both of you. I have, and that's why I appreciate talking to you. Um, and I like being challenged, and I like being put in a place where it's like, well, fuck, I don't know what they're talking about. I'm gonna have to dig into this, and I'm gonna have to educate myself, because, you know, when it comes down to our society and the people that are in our society and me i'm i'm actually a diehard fan of the philosophy that our society will eventually fold i'm i'm a big fan of that but i also think that with the things that i've done for my life the things that i've learned i think i will survive longer than most you know and i i i had this fun vision of of me and seth and clark one day meeting up in the woods and assuming that one of us doesn't shoot the other one um <laughs> <laughs> that will will have some knowledge to trade, and I I hope that our society can get back to that point where it's 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 more basic, it's more about survival, and it's more about okay, you're in my circle now, but you better have something to bring to the table. Um, where right now, what people have to bring to the table is their latest Instagram photo or whatever else, and that's all fine as a distraction, but it's not a way to live life to me. Um. I'm I'm very much a realist, and I understand that every day that we live is just a series of distractions until we die. I, I get that, okay? But I want to take in as much as I can before I do. Well, Grindhouse, you are totally invited to my survival camp whenever uh, the world ends. Oh, well, we should make a flag or a patch yeah. or something. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when you so when you're looking at me through a scope, you go, "Oh, I know that guy." Yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Because I don't want to get shot from 500 yards because I'm a rabbit. You know what I mean? I will get on that today. 
Let's do that. Let's have a end of the fucking world survival patch. We should totally Ooh. do that. All right. Um, this is happening. I, All right. I'm, if you're uh, if you're listening to this episode, we are taking um, you know ideas for patches. So you can go ahead and email them to us at uh, podinfo2022 at gmail.com. Yes, the email I know is very kind of weird. We created the email before we had the show name. Just bear with us on that one. But yes, Grindhouse, that's a great idea. <laughs> oh, Alex, could you remind the uh, the listeners to call in on our new number and leave a message? I would love to. I just don't remember the phone number. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my other laptop. I don't. I don't know how to find it. Hold on. All right. Well. All right. If you are listening, you know, to this, go ahead and check out our YouTube channel. It is on one of our thumbnails to our uh, to our actual um, video and everything like that with the actual phone number that you can call in with anything. We're not even done with the show yet, but that's just a little shout out right there. We do have time for uh, one more topic, um, and I do know that you guys know of this lady, and her name is Tiffany Gomez. Is this the toxic lady? <laughs> the what lady? The toxic lady? The toxic lady? Yeah. No, this is the airplane. This is the airplane lady, right? <laughs> Yeah, mental on the airplane. Yep. Uh, Yeah, I see this. See, as as much as I can be a fan of fuck around and find out, there there are times when you are a person out in society where the only thing you have to do is sit down and shut the fuck up, and it isn't that hard. It just isn't. Um. We all have those moments where we want to go fucking bananas. We all have, the, but it's like uh, the for me, and this I, I I think there's at least a couple of people here that are going to understand. The societal contract demands that I don't flip out in certain situations, and being on an airplane, which I think is, I honestly believe is one of the most stressful things you can do. You are packed into a metal tube like fucking cattle, told to sit in a specific spot, sit down, be quiet, we'll make you as comfortable as possible, but by the way, you might die. It, it, it's one of the most stressful things ever. So, like, as a person, if, like, if you can't survive through that, you're probably not meant to be a productive member of society, and if somebody escorted you off the plane and shot you in a back room in the, back, in the airport... I'm kind of okay with that. So the here's the interesting thing about this woman too is that not only uh, did she make a scene, you know, on this airplane, but people are digging into like her whole situation, like the whole conspiracy uh, threads on Reddit are just going wild with her right now. So apparently she has uh, a like a marketing website or some sort of website. Um, where she does, I think like, a, I'm not exactly sure what, I think it's like, you know, she has like her own little business, right? Is it, or whatever. Is it multi-level marketing? I want to say it's something like that. Like, I, I, I do. I can't remember off the top of my head. Nevertheless, people are looking into the, uh, the websites, like IP address, the servers that are, which they're coming from, and they're all coming back to like really weird locations and um, 
just shit like that. I I have the the videos of what I'm talking about. The guy who actually is like digging into this. One of them is that it's like a server that's in the middle of a lake in Kentucky or something. <laughs> it's it's the weirdest thing. It's like why like what is going on? And then another one is that she mm-hmm. uh like this server that she's using is in a like a government building like it's it like he zooms in on it on google and like he's like that's a military base that's like a military thing it's like that's that is government shit right there um and then people are even saying that the woman who was like on the plane is dead and now it's an actress in her place doing all of this it's it's the weirdest thing but yeah, the whole story is still kind of like unraveling. It, even though that ha- happened months ago, it's still. The, we need like to do the, an update. Like in a couple months, we need to check in on this because this is actually fascinating. At first, I was like, "Oh, she's probably just has a her left her VPN on," but like the middle of a lake. Yes, yeah. like, like like I said, I will I will drop the uh, the links to these videos oh, in, yeah. in the podcast whatever in our our discord so everyone can go check them out um stuff across the internet but yeah it's a it's really interesting it's it's not just some crazy lady on a plane who's like oh there's there's they're not real it, there's there's more to it than just that it's it's pretty wild because that's what oh, i thought it was too I, it. I thought it ended there but it it didn't like people are digging into her and what she's all about and it's it just gets crazier the more you dig into it Oh man, getting getting to the conspiracy roots. I love it. Yep. Yep. Man. Well, that's the fun with conspiracies though. And, and and like I said before, a healthy skepticism about what's going on around you, I think is a good thing. Um I don't generally subscribe to most conspiracies just because to be honest, I just don't have the time. Um but if so like the the VPN in the middle of a lake thing. Well, that's why I live in Minnesota, right? So this is literally the land of 10,000 lakes. For there to be a repeating cell phone tower in the middle of the lake is not an odd thing. That actually does happen. So that's hmm. not super weird to me. But if she's supposed to be dead and now there's an actress taking her place, I wonder if she at one point either was associated with or donated to a Clinton campaign because I think <laughs> that might have something to do with it. Because a lot of their associates have committed suicide by shooting themselves in the head five times. So I, <laughs> I, I, yeah. yeah. So maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's what she, she just, she just, she checked the wrong box on the donation form and she donated to the Clintons and that's what happened. Maybe. Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> I love it. But I don't know. We'll see. Clark, any thoughts? <laughs> I you know I've watched like a lot of videos on this and um see some funny videos of people being like, Oh, I was that guy on the plane and you know, you see all these like weird things, but uh I've seen other people that seem to be kind of legit that say like I was here and this is what I saw during the thing and uh <clears throat> they were like the guy was being weird and shifty and all that kind of stuff. And, all, and they basically, he wasn't saying anything and all. 
I don't know. I don't know what actually happened on the flight, but um, I've seen like the the police body cam uh, afterward, and then all that stuff. And I, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if it's worth actually bothering this woman now that she's been identified. But uh, maybe she just freaked out, and you know, it's a bad thing on a plane. So. But people are saying there. There's other people that are saying like, "Oh yeah, the guy was actually kind of weird," and even people are saying they had like the like, he blinked sideways instead of, you know. Oh, now we're getting now we're getting David Ike level. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I said. There's other people that are saying that stuff, and I've seen like videos of that, and I'm like, eh, I'm not gonna really, I'm not gonna dive into that. So. <laughs> Yeah, for everything I've seen, she comes off like one of those people who's like, I'm pretty. Can't you say I'm pretty? Why aren't you listening to me? And then as soon as it happens, I just, I'm just like, where's my pickaxe? I just, I have, I, I got no time and no patience. So it's, yeah, it's just, you know what? Sit down, shut the fuck up, do your part again of the societal convention, the contract that we've all agreed to, even though you didn't know it when you were born. You signed the societal contract that said, I'm not going to be a fucking asshole in public. And just do that and just just do your fucking part. Just get through. Go to the grocery store. Go to the DMV. Get on an airplane and don't be a fuckhole yeah. while you're doing it. That's, a, that's actually the best description because um, my first cross-country flight I ever had to do, I was that guy that probably was that weirdo. Because I was actually terrified, and I just didn't want to be on—I uh, didn't want to be on a six-hour flight from the East Coast to the West Coast. Like, so I can well, understand I, that. And I actually had—I had that one person that was that girl that sat next to me, and she was just like, "Hey, what's up?" And she was just talking to me, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm fucking terrified to be on an airplane right now." Yeah, what's up? <laughs> And she and she was just like, and there happened to be baseball game on the uh, on the uh, like on the screen. She's like, "Oh, you like baseball?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I like baseball." Just like, well, who do you think's gonna like win here? Like, it's like, and I'm not religious anymore at all. But if I ever had to believe that angels existed, it was that girl that just sat next to me randomly on a flight like cross country and she just sat down and she's just like hey what's up you like baseball what's up and, you know what do you think about that so i'm just like oh, well really? but that's the point though she she adhered to the social contract she adhered yeah. to it and she was, the social contract on for it and i was so terrified but i would have been that weirdo that would have been like the weird well but that's fine weird. though dude <laughs> No, I get it, but that's totally fine. But that's part of that. (laughs) Well, sure, sure. Okay, but that that is still part of the social contract. And that is when you see another person struggling, you reach out. However small, you reach out. That's part of the social contract. You don't try to get them kicked off a plane or do whatever else. You just go, you just, you put your metaphorical hand out and go, here. That's what you do. That's part of the social contract. And so much of our society right now, 
utterly rejects the social contract. They don't want to put their hand out. They just want to take your hand into them constantly and just go, me, 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 me. That's what people do. And that's why our society is a writhing vat of human feces right now. So yeah. and that, that maybe that got too was, deep. Sorry, that, was, that, that was got too deep. Sorry. Ago. It was 10 years. No, I'm just saying that was 10 years ago for me. That person made a huge difference in my life because that was my first cross-country flight. And they actually, well, like, and, yeah, made it easy. Well, and, they, and they will... And they will never know, and that is another part of the social contract. It is not about getting back; it, it is about giving. Yep. So that is the, the the social contract. Nobody wants to admit this. The social contract is a net loss every single time, but you have to be okay with that. It's a net loss. You're never gonna you're never gonna gain from it. You're gonna have to give a little bit to it, whatever the situation may be. You're going to have to give. But that little bit of giving, that little bit of loss is a plus for somebody else. And that's the social contract. But we don't live by it anymore. We just don't. And it yeah. disappoints the hell out of me. Well, I am hoping that, Clark, they are listening to this show right now so they know how much of an impact they made on you. And we're glad that you made it that that flight safely. But with all, all these uh, topics and everything, do we have any closing thoughts with everything that we covered from the the young blood stuff to the 9-11 UAPs, the penguin, uh, the penguin giant penguins? We covered a lot of stuff. Any final thoughts? Um, I just holy, wanna, holy uh, fuck. That's my final wanna, thought. Uh, wow. <laughs> I want to cover on the... Um, Elizabeth Battery. It's got to be a got to be a follow up episode. So, agreed. Agreed. Hey there. All right. Well, hey, Grindhouse. Thank you for helping us with this episode. We really appreciate you coming onto the show. It's always good to have guests. If you, the audience member, you enjoyed what you listened to, we got plenty of going on on the uh, social media. You can hit us up again. I already said the uh, the Gmail. If you're old school like that and you want to email us, feel free. Seth, were you able to find the telephone I number? was, Alex, and <laughs> glad you asked. So All right. if the audience wants cool. to ever give us a call, give us some uh, good ideas for an episode, call us in at 615-307-1037. And with that being said remember that old saying that we have here we don't want normal we want stuff that's effing weird how do you feel uh, well sir uh, i feel like uh, a butter melting on top of it big old pile of flapjack